Good morning. It's Wednesday, October 7th, 2015. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 215, and my name is Chris. And I'm Angela. Good morning, Angela. Hello. Can you believe it's October? No. I know. I mean, it sounds like quaint to say it, but I really cannot believe it is October. No, and the weather is not, I mean, like today it actually feels October-y, but it's not cold. Yeah. Like in October. Yeah. But it's been warm, like September. It was pouring rain this morning. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, okay. So today I kind of believe it, but if you, uh, so I did, I did unfilter on Monday. And when I started mm-hmm. the show, I said August. Yeah. Like my brain just yeah. didn't believe it was October yeah. and I had to, I had to re-say it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have a lot to get into, including some interesting drone news. So let's say time appropriate greetings, Mama Room. Good, Good day. Hello, guys. Hello. 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 So Good morning. The uh, FAA has been meaning to get around to proposing some drone rules. and They just keep missing deadlines. However, we do have some details. They're proposing a $1.9 million fine for unauthorized drone use. The uh, U.S. Federal Aviation Administration has been under pressure to regulate the nascent drone industry. It's obvious, though, that they lack a clear idea of how to proceed. But they sure are trying, you guys. Today, <laughs> they announced a proposal to fine Skyplan International a whopping $1.9 million for allegedly conducting 65 unauthorized commercial drone flights over Chicago and New York City. The flights occurred over a period of almost three months. And for the purpose of, you know, beautiful photos. I mean, they were totes great photos, guys. And 43 of the flights impinged, sorry, impinged upon highly restricted airspace. And the FAA says none of them were without risk. They bluntly allege that Skyplan operated the aircraft in a careless and reckless manner as to endanger lives and get totally sick pictures. Skyplan now has 30 days to respond. Hmm. So imagine this, a $1.9 million fine for flying in the wrong airspace. I actually think this is maybe not all that unfair. If you are actually risking lives. Yeah. And um, it's better than going to jail. Wow. Wow. That's right? an interesting concept. Yeah, it's. I mean, huh. I, 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 I don't know, Mumbleum. What do you think? I mean, the, I'm, I'm, I am a little afraid that drones are going to get regulated into the ground. At the same time, it seems like they need some kind of regulation because, well, uh, if I'm get, if somebody's getting pictures of my nude butt, I want money for it. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, I'd give the FAA some credit for being as hands off to this point as they have been, because you know technically drones fall under. Uh, like RC planes right now, uh, you know, under 400 feet, uh, non-commercial use only, and they really haven't been going after a lot of people. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they should be. Well, in my estimation, I think they just haven't been getting their crap together. I don't think it's because they're actually giving a wide <laughs> berth. I think it's it's actually fumbling um, fumbling around that's actually leading to the delay. For better or for worse, it's, it's allowing a, an industry to grow quickly and kind of establish its own rules. I think I'd like to see some more self-regulation from, from drones here, but it seems like there is an easy technology way to fix this. If you're controlling these things from a smart device, uh, and if anything at any point in the chain is GPS aware, it'd be pretty easy to have geofences around restricted yeah, air flight. Definitely. Yeah. But you know you know what's interesting about that? And this, this is so funny. The other day, uh, somebody was talking about the dog invisible fences. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, it is great. It keeps your dog in your yard. It doesn't keep other dogs out of your yard. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of that. Right? So even if a geo fence was put up, uh, or I'm sorry, is that what you called it? A GPS yeah, fence? A, a geo fence. Geo fence. Okay. Um, you know, I, I guess whatever drones are in the area would have to have that software yeah, or right. whatever. To If it yeah. doesn't have that software, then... And it might be nothing more than just a warning. It could just be nothing more than a warning to the user. Oh, you know what? Looks familiar is right. The solution is pants. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Do they... Did they differentiate between 
something that's being actively remote controlled versus something that is somewhat autonomous. You know, they didn't in this in this article here, but that's a good question. So these were being controlled by camera operators in in this mm. case. So they were going and getting, like I said, sick footage. I mean, it was probably, I mean, let's be honest, it was probably pretty dope footage flying around New York and Chicago. That's a dream. That would mm-hmm. Get some hyperlapse going on that. That'd be crazy. Um, now, Count Zero mentions that a lot of the high-end drones, uh, like the DJI Phantom, already have GPS fencing software installed by default. I was wondering about that, mm-hmm. so thank you. Yeah, I thought that was, so I, where I, when I mentioned that, where I was, that train of thought I was going down was, uh, this seems like an area where the industry could self-regulate in a lot of ways before the FAA even needs to say something. And it sounds like, in that case, it already is happening. While we're on the subject of GPS, mm-hmm. I want to plug Women's Tech Radio that's coming out today. Yeah. We recorded it on Friday. <clears throat> Cornbreadapp.com is, uh, we, we interviewed the creator of that, of um, Cornbreadapp.com. Neologic. But Cornbread App is amazing. It's where you can use um, GPS to leave notes for people. Oh, and it's so, like so when it's you like enter it's the a, area, you get the note. It's a hybrid of social networking, GPS, and travel, and geocaching a little bit too. It sounds like in yeah. The- so you just you can leave crumbs, you know, cause cornbread crumbs. Hmm. You can leave crumbs places, hmm. and um, they're right now they're public, but there's going to be private, so it could be like a whole like romantic thing. Whoa, but it's really cool. So go that check out get, Women's Tech hmm, Radio. That'd be um, interesting. I'm not sure if Rakai has it out yet, but I think it is. It's out today. Okay. Yes, it is out. Yeah, it's out right now. That was episode 43, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, it came out mm-hmm. this morning. Yes. He's on top of it. All right, so let's talk about somebody that's on top of you, and that's Verizon. What? Yeah, get <laughs> this. This is really awful. Verizon Zombie Cookie, which we've actually talked about before on the show. Just a really quick recap. Verizon has these super cookies that they inject into your web traffic. So as your traffic mm-hmm. is coming from, say, Facebook.com to Verizon's towers to send to you, they, at that point when it's come from Facebook before it hits your phone, inject their own cookie. So that way they get to track you across every site you go to from the location you did it at, from the cell tower you did mm. it at. Good thing all you that don't use Verizon. Stuff. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but here's where it just got a lot better. See, because Verizon, we covered this story a while back too, is now BFFs with AOL. And really what's left out of AOL that makes any money is their ad network. And so it's coming out now that Verizon will be sharing this super cookie with the AOL ad network, which means millions of Internet users will have their real-world details gathered by Verizon, including your gender, age, range, and interest, and submitted to AOL's network on its 40% of websites, including sites like ProPublica that use AOL. Privacy advocates say that Verizon and AOL's use of the identifier is problematic for two reasons. Not only is it invasive, tracking enabled by default, but it also sends the information unencrypted so that it can be easily intercepted. Hmm. Now, uh, there is another story by The Intercept where the U.K. government is taking these cookies and storing them. They're capturing them and storing them. So it is being – they're already being captured by a government agency. And how big is that server? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I know. I seriously, yeah. like all this data is being collected, but how is it even being stored? You know, yeah. like I mean, I know that these companies have a lot of money, but – Wow, really? And, Occult- and, and to go through all that information. Dejay Colton, I guess, of Access, a digital, I don't even know how you say his name, but it's a digital rights organization. Here's what he said, Angie. He said it's an insecure bundle of information following people around on the web. And they're storing all of it on you, right? And then they're sharing mm-hmm. it with AOL. In mm-hmm. order for the tracking to work, Verizon needs to repeatedly insert the identifier into users' internet traffic. The identifier can't be inserted when the traffic is encrypted. So use HTTPS everywhere hmm. because they can't do it then. Verizon automatically opts you into the program. And Verizon wow. actually thinks this is good for you. 
See, Verizon's got your back. And this is uh, Verizon's uh, security chief. Yeah, they have a privacy and security chief. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ironic, huh? Uh, I think in some ways it's more privacy protective because it's all within one company. We're going to be sharing segments of information with AOL so customers can receive more por- personalized advertising. Mm-hmm. So in their defense, look – yeah, we're just making our product better. We're collecting all this information on you, but it's just us doing it, so it's better. Yeah, no, yeah. You trust Verizon. We, you know, we we talked about this back um back with oh, what was it? Uh it was something about, you know, oh, marketing to women. That one dating thing where it was just oh, yeah. women. I yeah. can't remember exactly. You're talking about Ashley Madison? No, no. Oh, oh. No, it was longer ago than oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Where the ads were targeting women. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I can't make the connection right now, but yeah, the the thing that uh, the thing that sort of I walk away from this thinking is to me, in some ways, I think what Ver- the cards that Verizon are actually showing here is that your user data is way more valuable than you think it is. Yeah, what you do, how you do it, and what you're right. into yeah. is is what Facebook is built off of, and it's what Verizon wants to become built off of. They're less interested in the long run in making money off of your monthly phone bill than they mm-hmm. are of making money off of learning about you and selling it to somebody. So here's a question that a typical user might have. Is using HTTPS the same as using a private window no, on your phone? No, the private window also, uh, after you're done, destroys all the history and like the cookies that are associated with that session. So can you use private window in lieu of HTTPS is no. what I'm wondering? No. no. Okay. HTTPS means the actual traffic between you and the server is encrypted. Okay. Private window just means after you close that tab, there will be no trace of what you did on that phone. But it doesn't mean that the things you sent over the internet right. were encrypted. Okay. So this – I don't know uh, – I don't know if anyone in the mumble room has anything they want to chime in on the Verizon story. But Google might have a response to it. All right. Let's move to Google. Uh, Google announced AMP today. And this might in some ways sort of make Verizon's style of tracking harder, but I'll get to that. So uh, uh, Google wants everybody to get on board with AMP, and so they're making it open source. And they say, with after discussions with publishers and technology companies around the world, we're announcing a new open source initiative called Accelerated Mobile Pages, AMP, which aims to dramatically improve the performance of the mobile web. We want web pages with rich content like video, animations, and graphics to work alongside smart ads and to load instantaneously. We also want the same code to work across multiple platforms and devices so that content can appear everywhere in an instant, no matter what type of phone, tablet, or mobile device you're using. This project relies on HTML, AMP HTML, a new open framework built entirely out of existing web technologies, which allows websites to build lightweight web pages. And they have an animation uh, example here. They say, over time, we anticipate that other Google products, such as Google News, will also integrate AMP HTML pages. Hmm. And today, we're announcing that nearly 30 publishers from around the web are taking part, too, including Twitter, Pinterest, WordPress, which will make it easy for publishers using WordPress to publish an AMP version, Chartbeat, Parse.ly, Adobe Analytics, and LinkedIn are among the first groups of technology partners planning to integrate AMP into HTML pages. So it is a bunch of standards smashed together, and it's... I'm, I'll get to actually that in a second. But one of the things that it makes sure that it includes is a bullet point for advertising. Ads help fund free services and content on the web, Google's blog writes. With accelerated mobile pages, we want to support a comprehensive range of ad formats, ad networks, and ad technologies. Any sites using AMP HTML will retain their choice of ad network as well as any formats that don't detract from the user experience. It's also a core goal of the project to support subscriptions and paywalls. We'll work with publishers in, uh, in the industry to help define parameters with 
and experience, it still provides the speed we're striving for with AMP. So if you're familiar with this, Ange, in iOS 9, I think it is, Apple rolled out a new news app. It's like news without having to go to the web, really super crazy fast. They load instantly. And Facebook rolled out something very similar to that. It's you load the app, the pages load instantly, and it's, mm. it's the news. And the issue is that both of these don't have any Google ads in them, right? Mm. And so... I was trying to figure out what's this about, and so I went to over to uh, search and or marketing land and looked up uh, Danny Sullivan's post because Danny Sullivan's been following Google for, for like a decade, and uh, he went through and identified like kind of probably the core initiative here. So, what Google wants to do, in a sense, of course, uh, this is Danny Sullivan breaking it down, is Google has identified that there is a need to make the web experience much much faster on mobile devices. And one of the pushbacks we've been seeing is ad blocking has become a big topic. iOS 9 includes APIs where developers have been able to create ad blockers. And you can install an ad blocker on your iPhone, and now you don't get any ads when you're online. Mm. That hurts Google, right? Right. doesn't hurt Apple when you're reading the news app right. in news. Right. Same thing with Facebook. Google is trying and, – and of course, Privacy Badger is out from the EFF for, for desktops. Ghostry has gotten a lot of promotion on desktops. Adblock Plus just recently got sold. There's a lot going on in the Adblock space right now, which is Google's bread and butter, and they're trying to get out ahead of this. And so Danny Sullivan says if you're Google, which earns a lot of money off people reading content on the web, it's worrisome that two chief competitors have programs offering the same web content at higher speeds – and without your ads. If you're Twitter, it's also worrisome that people may get frustrated trying to read content that seems slow to load in your app, even if it's more of an issue with the site than themselves. Back to Google. A common strategy whenever a company feels behind in an area is to declare a new open source effort. Open social, open handsets, and now a push for an open standard to accelerate the web. To bring some of what Facebook and Apple are trying to do to all websites and make it an open standard. And, of course, one that supports advertising from Google. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's AMP. That's and interesting. I think it actually might take off, though, because it does make things look a little snappier and nicer. <laughs> and this kind of dovetails into a big problem with mobile ads is who's really making money off of mobile ads are the carriers. Not because they're making money from the ad views, but because they're data. making – Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're making money off the data, big money, too, off the data. If you take a look at some of these numbers, it's obvious that the data costs are 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 like are nuts. So uh, – mm-hmm. The, uh, well, the, all, the, all the numbers are in the show notes. You guys can break through. But the New York Times has uh, got a bunch of data that this piece on Medium has in here also, uh, all kind of breaking down how the carriers are making a ton, yep. of, ton of money off ad block. And by people starting to block ads on mobiles, they're going to go down. Their money, their revenues are going to go down. Right. Well, you know what I do is I go into the app and I um, eliminate cellular data usage mm. on certain apps like mm-hmm. my collage apps. You know, if I'm not – well, I don't want to see the ads anyway, but – I don't want to be out making a collage in public, not on Wi-Fi, and pay for data for that ad to load when uh, I don't need to. Uh, and I don't even know if you can do that under Android. But, uh, yeah, under iOS, you can go into the settings, system-wide settings, mm-hmm. and you can individually dis- disable which apps can use your cellular data, which um, is a really nice way, like for your podcast app, if you only want to download podcasts on Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's right. Another, or, you yep. know, a streaming app like that. You know, the thing is, which I have learned – is that sometimes any scrap of data you can get is worth it. And uh, during the road trip, I looked into satellite internet. And satellite internet is ridiculous. It is unbelievable. If you have a house, it becomes reasonable. If you have a mobile setup, 
It ranges anywhere from $995 for a setup to $19,000 for a decent one that gets decent transfer with limits. So when I saw this story that Facebook is planning to beam free internet to Africa... Wait a second. ...with satellites... They, weren't they making a drone to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so they're on to the next thing. Like, yeah, that didn't work and... <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's right. Well, actually, it's a French satellite company that's actually doing it, and Facebook's Mm -hmm. just going to team up with them. Mm. Uh, The satellite will launch next year, and service will start in the second half of 2016. It will reach 14 countries, West, East, and South Africa. Wow. Yeah. Facebook uh, will use the satellites to bring free internet access to rural areas. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Well, and and we're also going to open some more hospitals, right, for cancer? Okay. (laughs) Jeez. Right? Well, right. I mean, you, you need like, more doctors Africa's, connected. Africa's cancer rate has tripled since Facebook has no, been internet, no, too. No, no, <laughs> no. I know. It's just, yeah. Hmm. Also, in this same vein, and this one actually I'm very excited about, uh, your buddy Elon Musk is preparing to launch 4,000 low-orbit satellites. At least that's what he's... Ooh. That's what he's asking from the Federal Communications Commission for permission to launch 4,000 satellites in low Earth orbit, eventually to blanket much of the globe with wireless Internet connectivity. And one of his plans is to do low orbit so that way the latency is slightly less than traditional Mm -hmm. Internet, which is a huge problem with satellite Internet, as I researched and discovered uh, sometimes the millisecond, the response time. So right now here in JB1 Studio, uh, we're pinging Google's DNS server and I'm getting a 10 millisecond, uh, actually 9 millisecond response time. On satellite, that would be a thousand millisecond response time potentially. Mm. It makes Skype communications completely unusable, oh, yes, all sure, that kind of stuff, because sure. there's too much delay. So Elon Musk wants to try to uh, use his SpaceX organization to combat that. Mm. Uh, now his plan is uh, to have it going in about five years from now. Low orbiting though just sounds like um, a lot of satellites are going to be breaking through and <laughs> falling to the earth. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> but I'm sure it's not. But. I'll say this though: if he can pull it off, the market is ripe for picking. Um, the some of these satellite internet companies, like when you go to their websites, it is like going back to a, a website made with front page in 1997. It's real, real rough. It's real bad, and these companies are. They're nice companies. They're nice people, but they are so far behind in technology. It's ironic that they operate out of space, mm-hmm. but their consumer-facing stuff is so outdated and so overpriced and so expensive that this market, if somebody like Elon Musk with SpaceX could come in and even just offer a $500 setup with a $200 a month unlimited plan or something like that, it would be so far and above beyond what the competition does, it would have to be successful. Do they have geofences for those? Because like it seems like 4,000, they'd bump into bump, each bump, other. Bump. Yeah, you I know? think they like... probably do. I think they probably haven't figured out. <laughs> I would be like, it was like, how do you, you'd have to have like After traffic 20 days, lanes. we have 3,000. It's more about left. like, <laughs> what happens when China or India, wa- India wants to launch a rocket? Do they, are they going to make sure they avoid yeah, the little right, boxes yeah, or yeah. what? Like, yeah, trajectory mapping and planning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about space junk. Uh, But these would be uh, smaller micro satellites, too. So that's another way they would do it is they'd probably launch one huge satellite or two, a few huge satellites and then deploy a bunch of micro satellites. Kind of crazy. I'd check it out, though. I would definitely check it out. I want to give a mention to our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash today. No, it's not just for this here show. Oh, no, no. It's for the whole dang network. And we could use your support because we have some big ambitions moving forward at patreon.com slash today. And when you sign up, you get access to all of the exclusive Patreon content that now is actually a pretty good catalog of stuff in there. And there's even some Swag Club levels, correct, Ange? Yes. And those Swag Club members sometimes get little trinkets and dig-dags and doodads and knick-knacks and whatever you call them, swag items, really, sent out. Yep. 
Do you have anything to say there? No. Um. No. Well, I just, no, not in particular. Okay. <laughs> I d- I just got some swag out, but that's... yeah, that's all I was going to expect you to say. It's like we just sent some out a little bit okay. ago. That's yes. all you had to say. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't trying to put you on the line for the next thing. Yeah. I was okay. just trying because you know a lot of people don't know if you're not a patron, you might not right. know that swag. Well, some out. of the patrons don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's you like, know? hey, just so you know, if you're a swag level member, you just got some yep. swag. It's in yep. the mail. So. Just be sure if you are a swag level member, just be sure to double check your address because at least 12 people had incorrect addresses. Mm, people be moving and in stuff. bar. Yes. Yes. No. Patreon.com slash today if you want to update your info. And also thank you to everybody who's supporting us. We need your support because we want to grow even bigger and we'd love to do it with audience funding instead of commercial funding as much as possible so we can keep the balance, stay flexible and stay a little weird. So techtalktoday.reddit.com is where you go to submit stories, end of show clips or a new background. It's becoming a new season. Perhaps it's time for a new background. I'd like it to be Washington themed though. But if you have one, if you found one or if you have one on your own personal collection, upload it maybe to Imager and then submit it to techtalktoday.reddit.com. Stories also very welcome there. And join us live over at jblive.tv, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for the live times. I'm thinking next week I might try Tuesday and Thursday to see if that frees me up for other shows. But you have to check the calendar to see exactly where I'm going to dial that in. You might try what? I'm, I'm considering not doing Tech Talk on Wednesdays and Thursdays oh. to give oh, me I more see. time to work on other things. Oh, but it doesn't give me that much more time because Wednesdays and Thursdays are already so busy that I don't really gain a lot. But, mm-hmm. like, since I've been back, I've been so busy that, like, I'm dropping the ball on several projects that I want to just even finish. And so I'm trying to get, yeah, get a little time back in the schedule. I'm going to experiment with Tuesdays and Fridays because the other reason is uh, I'm really – I find the news to be mm, – Mostly meh most of the week. It's like one or two days out of the whole week the news is really even worth having a show to talk about. And so if if that's the case, I'd rather just take the really good news stories and cover them on those two show days and just have two really great shows. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try that probably next week. But you can find out more at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. All right. Now, uh, I was talking about um, high-speed internet from space. There's a company called Exceed, and I don't actually even know if they're in business anymore. Mm-hmm. But they were known for having some of the best, best satellite internet commercials. A lot of fun. I tried to find one that would work uh, best for the audio audience as well. And uh, I'm not saying I, I see a little myself in this commercial. I'm just saying it, it struck a little close to home. Terrestrial intelligence. Of course, all the good info's on the Internet, and we live all the way out here. I thought we were going to be stuck with slow Internet service forever. And then one night, he came. That little alien gave us extraterrestrial high-speed internet. It's called Exceed. I just knew it. You do have a better choice for internet. Exceed. Super fast internet from space.